Hi, and welcome to Practicing Clinicians Exchange podcast series on the prevention of pneumococcal infection in adults, novel vaccine approaches. This is the first of two podcasts and will focus on updated Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP, and their recommendations for pneumococcal vaccination, who's eligible, which vaccine to use, and when to use it. My name is Tracy Paparo. I'm a PA practicing inpatient palliative medicine at RWJ Barnabas Health in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and I'm the immediate past president of the New Jersey State Society of PAs. I'll be your moderator for today's episode. Joining us today is Dr. Martin Mahoney, a professor of oncology, the Department of Internal Medicine at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center in Buffalo, New York. This program is supported by an educational grant from Merck, Sharp, and Dome Corp. This program is provided by Practicing Clinicians Exchange, is eligible for 0.25 ANCC and AAPA credits, with 0.25 credits applicable for pharmacology credit for NPs. To receive the credit for this program, you want to make sure you go to pce.is slash pneu. I'm going to repeat that one more time. It's pce.is slash pneu, and I'll remind you again at the end of the program. So the learning objectives for today's podcast are to summarize the current ACIP recommendations for pneumococcal vaccination, and also to evaluate the appropriate use of current and emerging vaccines for pneumococcal disease. Dr. Mahoney, we have a lot to dive into today. We do. It's an exciting topic, and I'm uh, glad to have this opportunity, Tracy, to uh, uh, talk a little bit more about how to optimize pneumococcal vaccination in adults. The biggest question we all have to ask is why is pneumococcal vaccination so important? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question to start out with. You know, we're talking about a vaccine preventable disease that uh, is associated with continual high levels of morbidity and mortality across the adult population. If we, in fact, look at some data before the COVID-19 pandemic, um, those data will indicate that pneumococcal disease is the second most common cause of vaccine-preventable disease in the U.S. The number one, if you're interested, is uh, uh, influenza. And, and when we think about the, you know, the clinical presentation of pneumococcal uh, disease, it basically segregates into two conditions, what we call invasive pneumococcal disease, where we're able to uh, culture or demonstrate evidence of bacterial presence in a normally sterile body site. So uh, from the blood, so bacteremia or the central nervous system, which would be uh, meningitis. Um, and then everything else is non-invasive, and that would include pneumonia, um, and, and a small subset of cases of otitis media, sinusitis. But to come back to, you know, invasive pneumococcal disease uh, re- really uh, has an impact. When you look at all pneumococcal disease, it's probably responsible for over 100,000 cases of hospitalization uh, in the U.S. Most of those were talking about pneumococcal pneumonia. And then when you focus in, again, on that subset of invasive pneumococcal disease, about 30 
thousand cases of IPD or invasive pneumococcal disease and about 3,000 deaths. I think it's also important to understand risk factors for pneumococcal uh, disease. Um, and I think the most important, one of the most important is simply age. So about 43% of invasive pneumococcal disease in adults occurs in those individuals over age 65. Another 48% of invasive pneumococcal disease occurs in adults 19 to 64 with some other chronic medical condition. So if you look at it across that adult population, really what we're saying is more than 90% of current adult invasive pneumococcal disease occurs in those age 19 to 64 with a chronic health condition, uh, as well as persons over age 65. And, uh, so, and, and another important risk factor to keep in mind, so that's a broad stratification in terms of risk based on age, but as an adult ages, risk of pneumococcal disease both invasive and non-invasive forms goes up within each decade of life. And then layered on that is the relevance of a chronic health condition uh, or a condition such as cigarette smoking, a behavior really, um, so that even when you look at say 40 to 50 year olds or 50 to 60 year olds, individuals with those chronic health conditions have a risk of pneumococcal disease, which is somewhere between three and six fold higher compared to individuals without those chronic health conditions. That's a lot to think about, a big patient population that we need to think about getting vaccinated. I want to talk a little about the vaccines. So, you know, we've had the polysaccharide, which is PPSV23, and the conjugate PCV13 have been available for a while. And now there are some new ones at our disposal. So can you talk a little bit about that and maybe help us understand everything that's available to us? Sure. So the vaccines, again, if you want to think of it in terms of uh, the design of the vaccines, um, uh, the, the polysaccharide vaccine is, is what we refer to as an unconjugated vaccine. The PPSV 23 vaccine or the polysaccharide vaccine, that's been around a very long time, as you alluded to, in fact, since 1983. Um, and the way that vaccine is constructed is it simply is a mix of the antigens on the outer capsule of, of these 23 different serotypes of pneumococcus. Um, so it's a polysaccharide the uh, mechanism of action is T-cell independent, so memory B-cells are, are not involved, and that is sort of reflected in the fact that it has uh, a, a limited uh, duration of protection. In contrast, the conjugate vaccines also are composed of the polysaccharides on the capsule uh, of the selected serotypes. However, in this case, they're conjugated or linked to a carrier protein, and uh, the mechanism of action is slightly different. It's what we call a T-cell-dependent mechanism of action, which means that both T-cells and B-cells are talking back and forth to each other. So you get activated T-cells as well as memory B-cells, and that manifests typically as a longer duration uh, of protection. In terms of conjugate vaccines, the uh, 13-valent or PCV13 vaccine has been available uh, for use in, in children for 
you know, it's, it's really the second generation of the seven valent uh, uh, conjugate vaccine developed for children and licensed in 2000. That was replaced by the current 13 valent vaccine uh, for use in, in children. And then use was extended uh, to adults about 10 years ago. Um, more recently, in fact, uh, in 2021, two new conjugate vaccines uh, were developed, uh, PCV15 and PCV20. And the numbers there refer to the number of different capsular polysaccharides or subtypes of uh, pneumococcus uh, disease that it protects against. So we've gone from a 13 valent to the availability now of a 15 and 20 uh, valent uh, vaccine. And the, the reason for that is by increasing the number of components in those vaccines, uh, we're able to protect against a larger and larger proportion uh, of invasive pneumococcal disease. In terms of safety and efficacy, both of those new vaccines have demonstrated a very uh, robust efficacy measured with immune response compared to the uh, uh, existing vaccine when the testing occurred, that was the PCV13 vaccine. So they looked at the overlapping types and then also demonstrated an increase in the additional types. And uh, the, the comparisons in the 20 uh, valent conjugate vaccine uh, were made in the same way to the 13 valent uh, vaccine. And they did comparisons in, in different uh, adult populations, some of whom included individuals with chronic medical conditions. Safety profile of those two new 15 and 20 valent pneumococcal conjugate vaccines is, is generally uh, similar to the safety profile of the currently available 13 valent pneumococcal conjugate vaccine. So most typically pain, redness, and swelling uh, at the vaccination site. Also sometimes uh, myalgias, uh, generalized myalgias and fatigue. So now that we have two new vaccines approved, I think we need to figure out who do we need to actually vaccinate and which vaccine do we recommend that these patients get and when do they get them? Several very recent updates. So the ACIP pneumococcal working group uh, made a presentation uh, back in October to update the recommendations for use in adults. And this was, a, in, in my opinion, a, a very welcome uh, and needed update because the current or pre-existing recommendations were very confusing and difficult for most clinicians to, to implement. The new recommendations, and again, these, are, uh, these were approved by the ACIP at its October 2021 meeting, and the, the recommendations, Tracy, are as follows, a very clear age-based recommendation for patients 65 years of age and older who have not previously received a pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, or if that patient's pneumococcal vaccination history is unknown, the recommendation is to go ahead and give uh, the 20-valent uh, pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, or PCV20, or alternatively, a dose of PCV15, the 15-valent vaccine, with the note that if PCV15 is used, the recommendation is to follow that up with a dose of uh, PPSV23, the polysaccharide vaccine. So that represents a tremendous simplification uh, uh, from previous recommendations. 
The working group went a little bit further and came up with a risk, a, a more simplified and straightforward risk-based recommendation for adults ages 19 to 64. And the recommendation there is for adults 19 years of age and older with an underlying medical condition or other risk factors who have not previously received a pneumococcal conjugate vaccine that, again, give a dose of PCV20 or a dose of PCV15. And if PCV15 is used, follow that up with a dose of PPSV23. And those medical conditions or risk factors include things that we have been uh, recommending in the past. So uh, people with alcohol dependence, uh, chronic heart disease, liver disease, lung disease, cigarette smokers, uh, diabetes, patients with chronic renal failure, nephrotic syndrome, HIV, certain blood-borne malignancies, so their leukemia, lymphoma, Hodgkin's, multiple myeloma, solid organ transplant patients, asplenic, sickle cell uh, disease patients, um, and patients with a history of cochlear implant or a uh, cerebral spinal fluid leak. I think this definitely is a little bit better than what we were all kind of dealing with before. I mean, I know for one, we had charts and arrows and all these things to try and remember who was supposed to get them and which ones they were supposed to get. So this kind of simplifies it a little bit for the, for the clinicians. Yes, I, I think that was absolutely uh, high on the list of topics to address the working group on pneumococcal disease uh, within ACIP, got a lot of feedback on the complexity and confusion of prior recommendations. So clearly a simplification here in terms of dosing intervals, if the patient receives a dose of PCV15, uh, then the dose of PPSV23 or the polysaccharide vaccine should be given at least one year later. The only exception there is uh, for patients at highest risk with immunocompromising conditions. Um, and, and these would include, again, the HIV patients, uh, significant immunocompromised cochlear implant patients, uh, and CSF uh, leaks. Um, the minimal interval there would be only eight weeks, right? Because of the much higher risk for that high risk immunocompromised population, you want both vaccines given closer in time so the patient uh, can be considered to be protected. Tracy, one additional question that I suspect many clinicians may have is what to do with their adult patients who might have received a dose of PPSV23 in the past. The recommendation uh, from the ACIP is to go ahead and receive a dose of the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, either PCV20 or PCV15, at least one year after the date of their last PPSV23 dose. Anticipating a question that likely will come up, the ACIP has not yet developed a clear recommendation on what to do for those patients who in the past may have received a dose of PCV13 with or without the polysaccharide uh, vaccine. So I think the ACIP is going to require several more months of deliberation and, and uh, sifting through the data uh, to determine what the incremental benefit might be. Um, nonetheless, I think uh, that the simplified recommendations provide clinicians uh, with, with a much more simplified approach that hopefully can lead to higher rates of vaccination.
And then in terms of what might be on the horizon, Tracy, uh, uh, vaccine development continues in the area of pneumococcal conjugate vaccines. There is a 24-valent vaccine under development. That's in very early uh, stages of development. So uh, there's a, a phase two study. So I would say we're probably uh, three to five years out at least uh, from um, learning more about the efficacy and safety of, of that so-called next generation vaccine. Right, we'll get comfortable with all of these recommendations and it may get changed up on us again. Gotta keep things interesting. So I know that was a lot of information that we shared, but it is so important to know about as providers. I wanna thank everyone for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and we invite you to listen to our second podcast in this series which will work on encouraging folks to get the pneumococcal vaccination. And again, I'm gonna give you the website to go to to make sure you claim your credit because that's important. So visit pce.is slash P-N-E-U to take the post-test and definitely claim your credit for the activity. One more time, it's pce.is slash P-N-E-U. Thanks so much, Dr. Mahoney. Thank you very much, Tracy.